are you, sir? All right. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Good to see you. Um, maybe you could just start by uh, letting our viewers and listeners know exactly what it is you do. How would you describe your work? Um, I'm an itinerant uh, YouTuber. I've just literally moved to doing this full time and hopefully can have lots of episodes and hang out with cool people like you. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Gavin, how would you describe what you do? Hi, uh, uh, so yeah, I'm a behavior analyst. If it's probably the, the quickest and easiest way to put it. And I'm noticing a bit of a West Midlands accent sneaking in there. Am I correct? Yeah, originally from Wolverhampton, but lived all over. <laughs> oh, excellent. All right, gentlemen. So in terms of, uh, I mean, I, I did watch, I think I watched one of your videos earlier on today preparing for this. And I was just wondering in, in terms of like the science of uh, studying body language, is it a science? Is it, is it you know, because I'll be, I'll be honest with you, I'm completely uninformed on the issue. That's why I'm really looking forward to speaking to you about it. But, you know, people will, will say it ranges from essentially the same as reading tea leaves to a sort of detailed, uh, you know, anthropo uh, anthropological sort of analysis of someone's movements. Gavin, how would you say it fits in, in the realm of sort of scientific empiricism? Right. I wouldn't consider it a science, more of an art. Um, and it's, it's like many other things, tea leaves and reading that kind of stuff and, and all the kind of horoscopes is a completely different end of the world to what we do. What we look for is pattern recognition. And when you see that pattern recognition enough times, you get to know and be able to predict what people are going to do. Okay. So the thing that's all over the news at the moment, and it's it's still unfolding, and there's a lot of um, things we don't know yet, but it's the Nashville school shooting, the horrendous uh, shooting in, in American school. There's a lot going on, really. The, you know, these... Um, there's obviously the arguments surrounding gun ownership and the uh, the Second Amendment. We also have, uh, you know, transgender identity thrown into the mix. Mm -hmm. I don't believe, last time I checked on this, I don't believe the shooter's manifesto had been publicly released yet. Mm -hmm. So we'll obviously get a lot more information when and if that happens. But um, what are your thoughts on this, Eric? What, what, what information have you been able to glean from this incident so far on the, on the very little we know? Um, obviously, first off, it's a horrible tragedy. And people need to keep in mind there were three children um, and three adults, six people who have been murdered. I don't care how you break it down. There were six murders and everybody has a tendency and we're doing it here, both sides, right, left to project their own feelings and everything else on a tragedy. No, on a crime. I'm not even going to call it a, a tragedy. It's a, it's a crime. And I really think we need to step back, hopefully get a handle on everything that's going on. I think there may be some nuance in this that is being lost. Um, I'm almost uh, afraid to go into a lot of it, but there, there are a lot of questions as to what's going on. I do hope the manifesto is actually released. I don't know why that's being held back. I'm getting information in that there may be something tied to the school like some sort of history there involving possibly crimes. And I don't want to go any further than that, but crimes that have been maybe covered up over time. So I, I don't know exactly what is going on, but I do find the responses very disturbing from people on uh, Twitter and elsewhere who are... Uh, treating it as a call to action or violence. And this is not a time to do that. It, it, it's a time to obviously mourn for the tragedy and let's find out exactly what went on. And let's also give some credit to the police who actually went in and stopped the shooter. Unfortunately, you know, in the, the most immediate way, but they had no choice. Their actions, I feel, were textbook as far as i know and seemed very reasonable okay i mean very um sobering thoughts there for sure i mean gavin what, what's your take on this i mean i don't know if being a brit gives it a new a different dimension with our non-existent relationship with firearms i suppose and our sort of strange curiosity at the, the second amendment and american gun culture what what, what were some of your takes away a takeaway from this incident I've got a little bit of a luxury here because I've lived in the US and I've lived in the UK. Oh, great. So yeah, real bonus for me. Um, my daughter went to school in Miami. And one of the first things I noticed when I got there was a police car outside the front with an armed police officer 
uh, and, and this wasn't an irregular thing. This was most of the schools in the area. And it was great. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, unfortunately, budgets, I don't think, would allow that to happen in every school and every area of every state and so on and so forth. But I felt a little bit safer knowing that there was somebody there when I couldn't be. So as for the UK, there's this great big myth that guns are banned in the UK. And that's not true. I've got several of them. You can get what's called an FAC, a firearm certificate, or a shotgun license. And anybody, providing they haven't got mental illness or, or, or anything criminal record-wise, can actually get a gun. Simple as that. You've got to have a gun safe. You've got to have a license. You've got you know, an FAC. And you can own a gun. Anybody, any adult. So what the situation was in the 1990s, certain, not all, but certain handguns were banned. That was it. And from then on, there seems to be this kind of utopian myth around the world that, that there's no guns in the UK. Uh, and that's simply not true. Um, however, since that has happened, the gun crime has decreased a little bit, but knife crime has rocketed exponentially. And what I think the problem is here is, is not the fact that, uh, that guns are involved. You, you look at history, you've got Timothy McVeigh used explosive, you've got you know, kind of Jim Jones use Kool-Aid. If you want to harm people, you will. And I think it's a people problem more so than than blaming an inanimate object. Just to get my hardcore liberal UK talking <laughs> point on here, it yeah. is. I mean, I, I completely agree with what you just said. That it's, someone's decided they're going to commit acts of violence. That's exactly what they're going to do. But I suppose doesn't the easier access to firearms make it, you know, a more prolific event if you can get hold of a, a, a killing machine of that? that like strength quite easily well, let's look at switzerland for example where one in two citizens own a gun and it's got the lowest crime rate in the world and you've got honduras which has got you know pretty much uh, zero in the way of uh, of uh, you know, the, the, the firearms laws there uh, they're banned completely uh, and it's well certainly somewhere i wouldn't be going on a summer vacation okay i seem to have completely detracted the conversation to a discussion about the second amendment as though as though we, 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 we can solve this i'm gonna i, I want to jump on that for a second mm -hmm. because it, you bring up okay i'm gonna give you um i don't necessarily agree but i'll give you the whole point and i'll say yep if you take away guns people can't be killed with guns does that mean people are going to stop killing are we actually addressing the problem that is causing the killing in that case Mm -hmm. So let's say I just agree, or, you know, we all agree, well, guns are gone, but we're not actually addressing the problem that caused the incident to occur. And maybe in that regard, it is a distraction. And I, I want to look at other things. Like I want to look at pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. I want to look at medications. I want to look at different environments and different cultures that may cause somebody to act out in a particular manner. And perhaps whatever the gun situation you know if we take that off the table um we could resolve and get to the bottom which to me is i'd rather have no victims yeah brilliant suggestion it's a great point and i suppose just tying it back into that and we'll get to the sort of the body cam footage of to my mind uh a group of heroes storming into that school and running into certain danger uh, and doing what was necessary uh just as a, that aside for a moment i get very frustrated in regards to the conversation surrounding policing and police shootings uh, in America, there seems to be this narrative that the police are essentially executing unarmed citizens for fun. And I do feel it's very difficult to explain to people who have never policed uh, or are not informed, especially people from the UK, I find, the the escalation of violence and the in the context of which american police officers are having encounters with potential suspects and violent criminals where there is a gun in the mix or there's a possibility the suspect has a lethal weapon too uh, how, how can we have a better conversation about the dangers of policing which would explain why sometimes unarmed people do get shot first deracialize the question that's a great response um, we have a, a problem right now where there, there is some police violence, sure, and there are encounters, but the problem is we have a lot of agendas. A a same thing I complained about before. Everybody has an agenda. We need to look at what is actually happening. Are there problems in communicating between the police and citizens? And we need to take the race question out of it. Are there problems communicating between police and citizens? What are the procedural considerations? 
do we have body cams available for all the cops, which I do think are, I, I highly encourage. Um, but then we also need to step back and take some responsibility from the press and others. Like, how about we don't report on what happened until the facts come in? Mm -hmm. How about we actually take a sobering second and look at all the body cam footage? Let, let's not write the narrative before we have a single freaking fact. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's a great point because I think it's not unfair to say that cities and communities have burned due to irresponsible reporting on what mostly has turned out to be justifiable police shootings. Mm -hmm. If you look at the case of, say, Michael Brown, for instance, that gave rise to the whole, you know, hands up, don't shoot BLM movement. Uh, once the facts were established on that, it seemed pretty clear cut that the officer, well, what he did was understandable. I agree. Yeah, I don't know who wants to run with that. Just throw yeah. that up in the air and, and let you go. <laughs> well, um, so I mean, go first ahead, of all, let, let, let's take a little look at the fact that, you know, the, let's try and put it into perspective a little bit with the fact that people are missing something here. These kind of incidents, these isolated incidents, are probably one in every, what, 1,000, maybe 10,000. So you've got to look at the fact that for, for every person that gets um, shot, whether, whether they, they should or shouldn't have been by an armed police officer, there's probably 10,000 other people who've been stopped, they've checked their paperwork, they've said, have a nice day, off you go, everything's in order. There's people who've complied and been told, okay, nothing to worry about, off you go. There's even people who've been arrested and come without resisting, who've been handcuffed, charged, released, sometimes with or without charge. Probably maybe even hundreds of thousands. And nobody mentions those and talks about police procedure. Now, don't get me wrong. I know that there is all there is good and bad in all police officers. I've, I've been interviewed around the head a couple of times, um, but uh, but but at the end of the day, you know, so you, you can't always say you know compliance is the way forward. But the majority of the time, if you treat people well and you comply, especially when it comes to police officers, they will do the same in return. And I know there are always always going to be those cases where you know, there is that bad apple. Um, but, but like I say, just to put it into perspective, look at the numbers involved in this. It's not like this is an everyday thing every time someone gets stopped by the police. Good, good point. And can I point that out? That Gavin just said it right there. And you said it too. The fact we know their names tells you how rare it actually is. Love that. Well, keeping on the um, topic of sort of body cam footage, and it's become very useful uh, of course, uh, but there's this big debate about how swiftly body cam footage is released after an incident, and it seems to vary from incident to incident. Sometimes there's a legal process involved to get mm -hmm. it, and I was just wondering what sort of thing explains that, because after the Nashville uh, shooting of the the uh, the suspects, uh, that seemed to arrive very swiftly. Everyone's seen that. There's been other mm -hmm. cases where they, people have been shot, and there's been months and months of speculation and uh, you know, reporting on it before the footage has been released. So what, what explains that disparity with the release of footage? Well, part of the fact that you're talking about, um, we have 50 states, which are like 50 countries, and then you have municipalities within every single one of them. You have different, again, back to agendas, mm -hmm. but it, it is very impossible to have a consistent release schedule yeah. because it depends it, it completely depends here. Uh, England, and I'm not trying to trash you, but you are smaller than a big chunk of our states. How and dare you? I know, I know. It's it's atrocious. But you have more accents in England than we do here, which confuses me. If I go five miles up the road, I can't understand people. It's uh, it's, a genuine, <laughs> yeah. it's a genuine problem. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I mean, so I mean, coming back to that footage of the the police officers. Uh, entering the school and, and, and neutralizing the suspect mm -hmm. what what does that footage show what what are some of the takeaways you've seen from that that jumped out at you as interesting or things that uh, you could say um was indicative of certain procedures for example and techniques that's all gavin all right okay well i mean i, I first off i think they did a, a fantastic job there were you know the, the the brave police officers that did go in were going into what was obviously a very very dangerous situation um and when you're in a situation like that, when you're in any kind of firefight, that's adrenaline fueled, whether you've got other people with you or not, every split second decision is, is so kind of imperative to, to what the outcome is. Um, they did all the drills, they, did, they swept and cleared the rooms, um, they, they got to the person and neutralized it, they, they shouted clear commands, um, and they were in a position where other people's lives were in danger and their lives were in danger. They neutralized, I think they did the right thing. 
simple as that. No hesitation either. I mean, I'm yeah. sorry. I saw just watching that video, it's like you're watching from the perspective of that cop, and I'm just sitting here going, mm-hmm. you could have been shot here, could have been shot there, could have yeah. shot here, shot here, shot. I mean, there was so much vulnerability mm-hmm. and, and no hesitation. And, and I'm not saying they went in blindly. It, it was there was obviously process. He was calling out three, three, three. So there was tactical messaging coming across and all that. But what's still, the uh, what's absolute the significance of the, what's the significance of shouting out that number? From what I understand, it is I need three because I can't. I don't know where anybody is, so I need right, I need left, and I'm in center, and it, it's a, a cover tactic. And you could see, and again, I'm not an expert in it, but you can see how the, they're going in, um, and then boom, going in a room. So there's like one person going in the room, kind of sweeping right. The first next person is going in, but there's another person still out in the hallway while they're doing. Then they kind of come back and they regroup, and they're sort of going through room by room gavin you you know these tactical procedures am i far off in no, yeah no you're spot on to be honest with you. so you you got three three guys coming in from each side uh well it was four in total so you've got your, your one who's, who's up front you've got your left and right and the man at the rear who's basically looking at the rear and up um guys front and up and left and right so eric hit the nail on the head when when one goes into a room if he was on his own somebody could come running down the corridor so one stays outside the room, one goes inside the room, cleared if it's a small room, back out, and, and nobody's kind of uh, got him while he's vulnerable, as it were. Um, and yeah, and again, they've gone in, they've swept the buildings. There's loads of different people want to start an armchair debate. There's loads of different ways of, of clearing buildings and clearing rooms. And sure. there will be some armchair experts out there who are going to turn around and say, they missed this and they should have done that. And they could have. When you've got a building that size under pressure, with live fire going on and you need to get to a shooter to either arrest or neutralize them as quick as possible and people's lives are in danger you don't always have time to check behind every coat behind it you've got to especially if you can if you can hear gunshots that way and you're messing around in a cloakroom here you need to say right leave that get there you know so it's a very quick you know cursory sweep of the room you're in you're out and you get you get to where the threat is so. Yeah, I, I I think it would be very unfair to be critical, uh, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. But obviously, this this is indicative of some you know highly trained individuals. You know, did what they were supposed to do, followed procedure, kept a cool head by all accounts. Now, is this is this a a, a special unit separate from your average yes. police officer? Right. I think they're tactical. I, I think right. they were a tactical unit, and 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 it's very important because, like Gavin said about armchair quarterback, whatever. In my personal opinion, and I'm not an expert, they were perfect. I have no complaints, zero. Um, they got what the, they accomplished what they were trying to do. And nobody else got hurt when they got involved. And the bottom line is they acted. People were dying and yeah. more people were apt to die in this situation. In Uvalde, we had the exact opposite scenario where you had the police literally sitting on their heels for over an hour with people dying. Yeah. So... I, I'm just going to go with big sweeping remarks and say they went in, they stopped the shooter the only way they could. I saw nothing abusive, nothing wrong, even in the yelling of get down, you know, stop moving, stop moving. There was nothing unreasonable in anything that they did. Um, and I didn't hear even a single shot that was overkill. It seemed very controlled. It, they stopped the threat. They neutralized the weapon and they stood down. I don't know what else they could do. Yeah, very, very clinical, I, I would say. And I suppose, I mean, my my personal opinion is I, I believe that those officers responding there had the right or even duty perhaps to open fire on that suspect on site. However, I'm not sure if the video was, the video is not particularly clear. I, I certainly wasn't me looking at it on a small, Thankfully. tiny phone screen. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, was there any... Anything that you've seen or know of that indicated that the suspect was um, attempting to raise a firearm or still in the in the the um, guise of shooting at the time? It seemed from what I could see that they appeared to be still quite passive. But again, this is very difficult to decipher on a, a small screen. I thought I heard shots coming at them when they right. came around that corner. So in my opinion... It, we're again we're talking about time here but if a shot just came at me and people i i don't know again how much more you need um but i even if i only hear it even if i think it even if i perceive it this person brought a hundred percent on them themselves 
there, okay. there's yeah. no responsibility from the cops to in my view. Yeah. Well, just to probably unwisely stir the waters of America versus the UK again, we were, get, we were getting along so well. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I agree with the idea that people will do violence, and I believe that banning guns, it seems like an unrealistic solution anyway, but obviously it would not solve the core problem of, of violence. It does feel, however, that school shootings are a very uniquely American phenomenon. Um, I mean, Eric, maybe you can speak to that a little bit. A lot of people are not inside the U the USA looking outside at it, are completely perplexed by this thing that seems to be recurring so often uh, in the United States. Like, is there anything you can you can tell us about that that, that can explain it a bit better? Um, okay, well, these are all opinions, but um, I'd recommend you get on the show Dr. Robert King out of Ireland. I've had him on, and he talks about hybristophiles, and he talks about mass shooters. And the fact, especially young ones, there's a glory, and this isn't just in school shootings, but there is actually a glory that is given to them by wreaking havoc. These are people who are not necessarily successful in their life or they have other issues. And there's two levels. You have the young ones and then you have like the 40 something year old ones who shall we say have already spread their seed. So in evolutionary biology speaking, it is a method of glory. My argument is that their names are put on the paper and now they are somebody. And we need to stop stating their names. Yeah. This is something that is a, an achievement or a success to them, and they have a perverse motivation to do this. Now, let's go on the flip side and say that if somebody is to do a mass shooting spree killing or anything in that matter, you memory hole their ass, excuse my language, then what is your motivation? Because you will literally be erased from history. You, you will not only be not talked about, you're irrelevant. And I think that we need to consider that. That's interesting. And I, I certainly value the utility in that. That would solve a problem for sure. But on the flip side of that, people would say, well, the right to information, the right to know the names and motivations mm -hmm. of the people that are killing children i i'm i think i'm in the camp of i'd rather know we have a similar debate in the uk at the moment about sort of islamist terrorists there's a lot of redacting of names sometimes under this idea of you know not not somehow instigating blowback towards the muslim community in the uk they think if they don't lean on the idea that islamic terrorism is the motivation uh this will somehow be protective of the the white general muslim population who are mostly peaceful of course uh, but for me personally i like to know who my enemy is i like to know what motivates these people i like to know how big of a problem it is i like to know who they are is there not something to be said for that argument too sure i'm all for free speech but let's try it Let, let's try i'm just saying I, um you can find out the motivation and everything else you can give them a fake name who cares you you can get release entire biographical background and everything else but do we really need the name? We already have a problem in America where we celebrate perpetrators over victims. Tell me a, a Ted Bundy victim name. Just one. It's a great question. It's a great question. It's interesting that you use you you, com you compared Muslims with like kind of the the actions of a few, and yet there's a greater number of more peaceful Muslims. Um, and that seems to be an argument amongst a lot of gun owners over in the states who say you can't, you know, kind of punish a lot of us law-abiding citizens who have never done anything wrong, you know, because of the actions of a crazy few. Uh, so it seems like there's almost a double standard there with, uh, you know, we, with that, that kind of um, mindset, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to be distinct and I would mostly describe Islamic extremists as Islamists over the general Muslim population. Most of most Muslims yeah, aren't sure. Islamist, yeah. of course. And I, I think it's possible to speak honestly about one problem without denigrating a, an entire group. And I, I, I agree that that stands with gun owners in the USA uh, as well. Um, I mean, is it, I mean, in your mind, I think you've kind of alluded to it and you didn't really want to speak much about it at the start of the show, Eric. Uh, I think what people really want to know is, is this shooting ideologically motivated or is there something else going on? I think mental health has been thrown out there as well. Uh, in this particular case, I have a feeling that there's more to it than just the ideology. 
and again, well, that's a hard call because if you have somebody who has problems and this is a person who's trans and I'm not picking on them being trans for the sake of their transness, that's irrelevant, but what medications are they on? What kind of hormone um, blockers or changes or, or things that, because these are some hardcore things that are manipulating the psyche and the chemistry within the body that can cause some very weird adverse results. And I really do want to know about those questions as well. I think what's made this, this whole thing slightly more interesting, if you just want to be sort of clinical and detach our emotion from it, is the gender identity of the shoots. Because mm -hmm. as we, we, I think we would all freely accept, this is typically a male crime. Uh, it's well, very hold rare. on. But a boomtown rats i don't like mondays female <laughs> school shooter sure but, that, that, but you are right about majority yeah the, females are, tend to be the outliers so here we have somebody who uh, is a mass shooter in a school i think when it was originally reported that they were transgender people instantly assumed well it must be male to female trans because it's typically male biological males who carry out these shootings turns out it's female to male transgender some of that's in the reporting by the way because it's so confusing because yes. technically it was a trans male if you break down the way it's supposed to flow if you say trans female that'd be a male to a female but this is a trans male but then they say it's a female who's trans so uh, <laughs> it made people's heads explode yeah. because they thought oh okay so it's a male to female trans because somebody said it was a female so I'm, I'm going to blame a little bit on the confusion uh, on the reporting on just trying to get to the bottom of, well, wait, what, who, what? So sometimes I think there is an argument for saying it was a biological female or a I biological agree. male. I think some, some of the gender critical uh, activists and people have started using this term and they would describe her as a trans identified female. Uh, which gives me the information I need to know. But I suppose then we have this second layer now. Well, now we know it's a biological woman carried out these shooting that's mm -hmm. and that's rare people are saying well is this typical male pattern criminality a product of whatever hormone replacement this individual was on is she could be mimicking male patterns of violence due to this so it's 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 a very complex situation is what i'm what i'm getting at i don't know if you have any any thoughts on this gavin if you just want to wade head first into the gender wars Ooh. Uh, that's that's very thin ice isn't it um well <laughs> first off i mean do we know anything about the background as in do we know whether the shooter actually attended that school at all or, or is that, do we not know anything about that yet i don't know i've I, I seem to think that she did i seem to have seen some video footage that was released of her in the school from right. like, from a few years careful back, i could okay so let's dismiss anything no, I say no no i'm saying careful conjecture. is it he or she you just said she oh is okay that confusion no 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 i'm not trying to be mean but that is how confusing um it all gets and how it adds another layer of abstraction to the situation yeah I, i've got a policy on this i think it's okay to misgender child killers i think i think i'm <laughs> well, I okay with that. uh with that yeah so this this individual to my mind is uh, a female but i i accept they have a, a male trans identity as well, well but people uh, but we have people here i mean we actually have um papers upset about misgendering of a child killer this it, is, not, Times, it is very real Yes, I believe New York Times, and I think USA Today um, did. Again, I could be wrong, but there are multiple publications. And, and again, this is a distraction. Yeah. Why did it happen is a good question. When a labeling mistake right. outrules, out uh, you know, kind of outshadows child murder, then something's seriously wrong, really, isn't it? Yeah. And I think it also, it, I think when people impose these rules around uh, pronouns and, and things like that as default, it's sort of gives you one it sort of places one hand behind your back when you're trying to describe reality in a way if saying something that's pertinent and you know anatomically correct is considered hateful uh, i think it i think it inability you know it kind of prohibits your ability to communicate effectively right. well for the ease of conversation i will continue to refer to the shooter as the shooter there we go we all know who you're talking about there <laughs>
Of course. Um, so, I mean, what do we know about the school in terms of the number of pupils that were there at, at the time? And do we know anything about the school's response time? And because from what I could see from the body cam footage, which was, you know, I, I, I was glad to see in a way was that there were, there were, I couldn't see any students around, any children around uh, in the moments leading up to the suspect being shot. So it seemed like either the building was evacuated or had been locked down. What, what sort of things are in place when there is an active shooter of that kind? I can't speak to the school. I can tell you with, with a foot body cam footage it is helpful because you heard the alarms off everywhere. So I don't know if they use fire alarms or whatever, but it seems like some sort of drills had taken place. There were other pictures showing children on buses. So I think that they did get them out and somehow contained on buses or something. Don't really know all the details on that, but there ha there is definitely a breakdown from my understand because I guess the shooter had contacted a friend and told the friend that this is going to go down. And the friend was actually on hold with the police at the time of the incident, from what I understand, and was referred to the non-emergency number. And later that afternoon, after all the carnage, the police actually talked to the person and got the screenshots of the person threatening. Now, again, I hate to second guess because... I don't know the situation. I don't know how bad it is in Nashville. I don't know if they get 300 people a day saying they're going to do this. And, 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 and if I don't know that information, then I can't accuse it. But I do hope that we follow up on this and we find out, was there a warning that was perhaps missed or overlooked? How do we prevent that later? Yeah, it's difficult to know whether we're falling victim to a sort of hindsight bias or whether there was some serious errors sure. made in the process for sure. So it'll be interesting to see what what comes out there. Um, Gavin, anything else that you can tell us about the 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 body cam footage we saw of the the individuals storming that school and, and taking down the suspect? Anything else that jumped out at you at all? Uh, it, the only thing that kind of I, I kind of think of is I wonder if this is more of a case of suicide by police officer. More so than you know, there, there was there was obviously an intent to cause harm, um, which they've done. Um, but you know, there the, the could have been a lot. You know, this person, the shooter, stayed in place, um, shooting from one position. So in, in that instance, I, I, you know, I'm sure most people have heard of this death by police officer, where, where when mm -hmm. when they they want to commit suicide, it's quite simple. They they carry on shooting into a, a crowd or somewhere and just sit and wait until the police eventually come along and shoot them. Um, so it'd be interesting to find out if that was what the it, it, um, it was partly the, yeah. the friend the friend was notified that the oh, shooter okay. was going to die, right. and that they that the friend would read about it and know about it in the news. Right. So that that was. Um, at least expressed to the friend in those screenshots. So, yeah, so again, that, that brings suicidal tendencies into the picture here more so than, than anything. And again, to go back to what you were saying, Eric, you know, there's a lot of these incidents which are related, and I'll probably get into trouble for saying this, but a lot of these incidents which are related to certain medications, especially certain uh, specific antidepressants. So I, I kind of, I, I understand the sort of suicide by cop as a phenomenon, and often that's an individual you know, trying to coax the, the police officer into killing them. And this, this individual is often not armed with a firearm themselves. They usually do have a, a lethal weapon of some kind, but not a firearm, and they end up forcing the police's hand. This individual, uh, as Eric's just alluded to in, in the screenshots, I think, of an Instagram discussion, perhaps with this this friend, said they were going to kill themselves or they were going to die, and you'd read about it on the news. There was no mention of, um, you know, a potential shooting that, that happened. So this person's got firearms, legally owns them, apparently. Uh, if they were just simply interested in suicide, that seems like something they could have taken care of on their own. So what I'm trying to get at is the psychological... Back to the glory. Yeah, right, exactly. so the glory. Exactly. <laughs> so there you go they, they've even said themselves you'll read about it in the newspaper you'll see it in the news that's that's that, that's what they wanted that final uh, that final flash of attention and again going back down the psychological route of it is this because of past childhood traumas is this because of bullying is this because of a, a neglect is this because of the fact that they weren't given any attention there's so many things that this can be uh kind of tracked back to and then again it can be amplified by decisions and certain things that happen later on in life
All right. Well, just to momentarily draw a line under Nashville and, and, and say to our listeners and viewers, if you have any questions about that, get them in the comments now and I, I, shall, I shall put the best ones forward. But I believe that we can get a lot of information from somebody who's rather popular or unpopular, depending on how you look at it, uh, quite popular on this show, I'm sure, Meghan Markle. Uh, in, in terms of terms of body wow. language and um, <laughs> what that gives away, and there's been a lot of discussion about her. And, and what what kind of things have you seen that might indicate her personality type, or, or what she's thinking, or what what her game is potentially? Um, do you want to go first, Eric, or do you want me to? Ah, look at that. No. We ironically we've we've we looked at Harry more than we have Megan, and and maybe uh, this is my deeply cynical American approach, <laughs> but uh, to me, Megan's value is minimal at best, and she draws all of her value based on the birthright of her husband. Wow. That yeah, that was a that was a mighty kick. Uh, for, <laughs> I for sure. I'm sorry, but I, I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Uh, Gavin, what what can you tell us about uh, either of them? Really, I suppose uh, everyone's fascinated with both of them at the moment. I've I've got a tendency to lean towards uh, narcissistic traits, and I'm going to be careful here because I need people to understand that narcissistic traits doesn't necessarily mean somebody's a narcissist. Everybody has to have. A certain healthy level of narcissistic traits in order to survive. Yeah. <laughs> we're here. <laughs> Look, yeah. we're on camera. Yeah. Hi, mom. There you go. Um, so, so there's a difference between a healthy level and and being an out out complete not a narcissist. So the difference is with Megan. I think it's a little bit stronger. And if you know some of the habits and and kind of propensities of what how narcissists act, a lot of the time it's down to isolation. They remove you from your circle of friends. They remove you from your family. They remove you from a lot of things. So you are the only source of information. And when you are the only source of information that is, is coming into them, um, you can you, you have a better level of control over that person. So I would say um, there's a lot of people who would say that, I mean, you know, <laughs> she, she is a complete narcissist. But I'd say she, she definitely uh, is displaying certain narcissistic traits, in my opinion. That's interesting. Not unlike a cult leader, yeah. Okay, uh, well, separating from the rest. Just to play devil's advocate on that one, Gavin. Um, so, it, I mean, obviously that just seemed like a narcissistic trait for sure. But on the flip side of the coin, she might argue that uh, she's being more protective of Harry and removing him from a, a deeply, you know, stifling and toxic mm -hmm. uh, culture that is the royal family, and by you know, sort of excising him from that that uh, strange hat wearing cult, uh, she's actually got his best interests at heart. Yeah, um, we'll, ne we'll never really truly know what goes on behind closed doors. There's lots of speculation. Um, there's, there's lots of arguments to, to and for that you, you could look at the fact that he's, he, he is having a little bit of a scream about what's been going on in his personal life. Yet his brother, who's had exactly the same upbringing, the screamer aware. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the pacifier is on the floor. Um, so yeah, you, you've got that. So his brother, on the other hand, he's just cracking on and getting on with it. So, but again, that could also be argued. Well, he's older. It was different for him. He knew he was going to be king, and you know. So the, the, there are there's, there's arguments, you know, for and against. What do you think? No, oh, what about her support network? Where's all her family? Oh, wait, where's her family? Mm. Mm, how's that going? <laughs> yeah, there is. There seems to be a pattern here, doesn't there? I mean, does her body language give anything away? Are there things you can point to to the way she holds herself? Or, you know, portray, you know I haven't studied her personally. I, I, I haven't, haven't watched. Not, I've seen little bits of clips where I've analyzed more of what she said, more so than, than her body language, because I, I also do statement analysis. Um, and, and she does seem to. Uh, putting this carefully, tend to favour what's beneficial in the moment, shall we say, more so than <laughs> Most of it, what I've seen mostly is controlling of him, like um, kind of a puppeteer, but seriously, uh, she when I see them together, she seems to be holding his hand down, doing this, or, 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 or moving him in different ways, but this is all just kind of at a, a glance, not nothing too um micro expression -y or anything else just kind of a overall he feels maneuvered yeah and then when he's on his own you can see different things but together 
it, it's like he's always very tethered to her and very um very much within an orbit of her like she's the central figure between the two of them and i think that's why they they say the harkles or whatever because there's like more of her her name comes up first so often which i find so odd when again it's his birthright but why is it always her name yeah i mean i'm sort of agnostic on the whole body language thing in, in a sense i mean obviously body language clearly sure. tells us a lot about a person but obviously in this internet age and the digital era it can be sort of uh, condensed and moved out of context and things like that just to right. give you an example from my own life i uh, interviewed uh, an author in the uk me and my co-host interviewed this gentleman on camera and during the opening of the interview i i was fidgeting with my forehead quite a bit and somebody mm -hmm. picked up in, on this in the comments and, and said that i was deeply repulsed or uncomfortable by the opinions of my my the person i'm interviewing and it the reality was when before we'd arrived my co-host had given me a hug and one of her hairs had stuck <laughs> on my forehead and it took me the first 10 minutes of the interview to you know manage to get it off my sweaty brow as i was removing someone's hair uh, so it's just interesting how people can have their own sort well of it's interesting because it's actually true but misdirected and i think gavin can jump to that because you had a hair on your forehead which is uncomfortable yeah so the truth is you were fidgeting because you were uncomfortable. They just diagnosed the reason for it. So body language said you were uncomfortable. That's why you're trying to get us off. But the, you, but which why you were uncomfortable is where you lie into the problem. And certainly back to Gavin. Yes, body language is more. It is more of an art than a science. It's kind of like cooking and baking. Mm -hmm. uh, cooking can be more experimental. You can throw different things in there and come up with different concoctions go ahead and throw in too much baking soda when you're baking and see how that comes out. I, I watched your video of um, trying to sort of uh, get to the bottom of the Michael Irvin incident. Yeah. And I, I, I think at the time, Gavin, you, you you were just, I think you were going in blind and I don't think you were really aware of what I the allegations were. I do that to him all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Excellent. So maybe that, that's a good place to start. I mean, I, I've watched you to analyze that video. And what, what were the specific allegations made against him? I mean, who is he to start with? And what were the allegations that were made against him? I actually still don't know. Just keep keep Gavin in the dark. He, like a, he, like well, a mushroom. Well, but here's the funny thing is, I do that deliberately to try to get a raw, hey, you don't know anything, you don't have any backstory, you don't have any opinions, and if you want to have more fun with that, go ahead and read the comments section about what idiots we are. That's <laughs> oh, a yeah. treat. Um, especially <laughs> Never read me. the comments. Uh, yeah, it's fun. But Michael Irvin and I had to look it up, but Michael Irvin is a Hall of Fame NFL football player here in America and a host on different channels and a very polarizing figure. I'm seeing more and more. But he, in this incident, apparent, according to the witness, acted inappropriately. And I have to be really careful because... The charge is that he made inappropriate comments and that these inappropriate comments have ultimately led to him being suspended indefinitely off of the NFL network and off of uh, uh, ESPN, which is an ABC thing. So it's kind of a big deal. He also was thrown out of the Marriott Hotel. Um, I think he's banned from any Marriott and the chain in the whole world, which is a lot of hotels. It's not just Marriott. They own, you know, a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. And it all was taking place over this incident. And we got the, the footage that, you know, is online due to a fight where Michael Irvin is suing the Marriott, essentially over the lost wages, etc., and defamation over his name, over the incident. The Marriott had fought and was not releasing the video. Now, that, I will tell you that that colors my opinion. I, we all have biases, but when somebody is not willing to be forthcoming with information, I automatically, it, it triggers me internally and I go, hmm, why? Mm -hmm. what, what's going on here? And it was a case where the state judge said, you, you need to release the video to the defense. So they didn't say release it publicly. The, the ruling was release it to the defense so they can fight, you know, go to court, do this stuff. They didn't do it. Then a federal judge said, you need to release this video and, you know, anything else you have to the defense. They refused to do it. Mm 
Finally, the judge said, okay, as of five o'clock today, you're going to release this video and kind of applied or somebody's going to jail. And they finally did release the video to the public. Um, and he's hit. And, and that was their punishment is that he removed restrictions. So instead of releasing just to the defense, it was released with no restrictions and thus it's online. So Gavin and I were looking at just the exchange and what went on between them. Now, the exchange is very difficult to read. And I believe Gavin and I struggled with it. And I even pushed at Gavin a little bit during the interview to say, well, wait, what, what are you seeing? Because her claims are that Michael Irvin said some extraordinarily inappropriate things to her, like, um, you haven't had a black person inside of you size references and, you know, some, some very gross things. You don't want your daughter to hear this. And we looked at the video trying to see the reaction between the two to see, you know, is she lurching back, you know, feeling threatened? Are there any extreme responses in any way, shape or form? Are there any oddities? You know, whatever. We found a couple and expressed our opinions. There was also a sequence afterward where he was walking away. And a second claim was that he was saying, oh, I want to hit that, da, 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 da. And, oh, bad Mike, bad Mike, you know, slapping his head, all this. Technically, if you watch a video when he's walking away, he did slap himself three times. And we, we are watching that later. I didn't actually review that because I felt like the the incident was the two minutes interacting between the two people you know, conversation with somebody else after, I don't know is necessarily relevant to the encounter. But that's the basic bottom line. She said he said some really, really terrible, nasty, horrible things. He's saying this is rubbish. Um, there was just an interaction. We were fine. There was nothing bad here. He had some witnesses. Marriott didn't want to talk to the witnesses. But anyway, they said they didn't see anything. But then other staff in the hotel said, yeah, no, it was really bad. And then he slapped himself afterwards. So it's a he said, she said, and the video, you mentioned watching the video. What did you see? I'll defer to you, Stephen. Well, I suppose a lot of it depends on the individual. Now, was this a, the, the lady at the heart of these allegations? Is she a guest in the hotel or is she a member of staff? She's a staff member. Okay, so I, I thought it was interesting when you were talking about her placing her hands behind her back and standing up straight. And I, mm -hmm. I felt that kind of um, signified somebody re retreating to a professional uh, uh, as an employee of the hotel, perhaps mm -hmm. taking upset, exception to something in a proper that was said to her. That sort mm -hmm. of stance, I, I've done that myself in working in various, you know, in past lives, working in various retail sure. environments where I've, met with you know uh intimidating or threatening um customers you know the hands behind the back for instance is to show that you're not mm -hmm. a threat or you're not engaging physically and it also gives that i think i think gavin you may have mentioned the word regal at one point describing mm -hmm. it oh, yeah, i was going to point that out yep yeah so I, I i that's my perception of that particular stance and i think that is potentially in response to something inappropriate so but i think this idea of not releasing the footage, I think they may have been reluctant to do it because the allegations can't be uh, seen or heard rather from the footage and the footage on the face of it doesn't denote anything illegal or untoward. Uh, so perhaps they exactly. would, thought they were discrediting a member of their own staff by releasing it. And, I, and, and on that point, because we, I'm glad you brought up the hands behind the back thing. One thing I will ask you in your customer service capacity which i have done as well have you ever put your hands behind your back if you thought the person in front of you was going to strike you or touch you in a manner that would make you feel threatened never no i didn't think so and that's extremely relevant and part of what i was saying so it, it's an incredibly difficult take because as gavin pointed out it looked like he probably was hitting on her that's very, very possible. Don't know completely. And I guess my personal stance, and I'll go on it here, whatever, is there's not enough there for me to... Uh, I don't think he should have lost all of his employment. 
at the same time, I don't think he has a defamation case. Hmm. So I think it's a, a net zero. Um, I think that if he, he's suing saying that um, everything is perfect, everything is bad. Well, no, you did slap yourself three times later. Um, I did see her back away from you. She claimed to back away. She did back away. It wasn't much. So it, there's a, a ton of nuance in there. But my thought is the black and white claim of does he lose his career? Now, pretend that's your brother or family member, and now they've lost their career. Now they are suspended indefinitely. Did you see a person who did something to be suspended indefinitely and lose potentially millions and millions of dollars? No, I mean, I, I saw a, a potential drunken asshole. I think I think that's, that's sure. what it was. And yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe the consequence of that should be more proportionate. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Gavin, have you, had, have you had given the context now? I'm going to start by addressing this hands behind the back thing, which I, I think is, is really pertinent because um, I know Eric, uh, you, 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 you're you ex-military. Um, when mm -hmm. you ask, put your hand Pretty behind rest. Your, yeah, Pretty rest. rest. What, what they call in the UK, standing at ease. Right? Mm -hmm. That's why you're standing at ease. Oh, yeah, now, at ease too, yeah. yeah. Now, there is a reference to when your hands are behind your back to kind of holding yourself back but you usually find with that you, the further up the arm the, the hand is the more that person is holding themselves back from doing something that they're against doing but in this instance her hands were very low very relaxed and she was at ease or parade rest it was it was a, a relaxed thing so. is this something that transfers from male to female typically though you may usually it doesn't doesn't really matter one way or the other uh it's, it's the same kind of action um a bit like scratching an itch you know male or female it's still gonna have the same well, especially in the stuff. military in the military it's actually a defined position yeah because you have attention parade rest at ease well parade rest actually is a little tighter and then at ease but hands behind the back and relax and it's both male and female it's so it's actually a prescribed position <laughs> exactly. So, uh, so that uh, again, you know, uh, and and to just to reiterate with what Eric said, if if you were threatened in any way, if you found anything inappropriate, hands would not be behind your back. You're making yourself wide open and vulnerable. And if somebody did say something that you found either threatening or really inappropriately shocking, you were going, whoa, you know, your hands would be out there. You know, you would you would back off. And I've seen people do it, even if it's just a, a, a look where they just back their chest away and go. Uh, and just give that momentary pause of what did he just say oh, to me? Okay. Yeah, there was none of that. There was no look of shock. There was no looking around for help. There was no kind of, uh, there, was, there was nothing in her body language to show any kind of tension or, or anything like that. Everything was very relaxed the entire time. Could there be have been an extra level of duress with her if she was aware that perhaps she was in the presence of a public figure or a sort of VIP character? Uh, that Absolutely. But here's the problem. We only can go with what's there, and a uh, career is lost or not lost on what's there. So anything is possible. And, you know, to continue on, Gavin said, typically uh, uh, females will tend to protect their, their stomach area um, or, or throat in, in general. So if she's talking and doing this kind of thing, that would be more of a pensive. But... Yeah, I mean, you you could be right, but that now we're getting into uh, third level psychology, and we're having to now project ourselves. And here we go, you know, confession through projection, which we all do, but um, I can't do that. So I can only look at it and say, judging from what I've seen, and then obviously Gavin is even more of an expert than I am. What we see there. I just don't think there's a there there again at the flip side. I don't think he has a case against her because there were little things like she did step back about two inches, three inches. So she said she stepped back. He did touch her arm. I, I did see her arm. It was in fact touched. So, you know, things like that did occur, but consequences versus level what did you say i'm mitigating you know let's get the things to line up like if they just kicked him out of the hotel saying whatever um get get out uh we, we just don't like you we have a right to refuse business to anyone fair enough this is america you're a business you can do that but then when you say now i'm going to call the nfl and i'm going to say hey we have thrown your guy out because he was inappropriate to an employee and the nfl goes oh shit 
we got to pull him out of the Super Bowl. Oh, damn. Now he's off of ESPN. Now we've taken one encounter and we've escalated this. Yeah. That's interesting. And Gavin, you said something that made me chuckle a little bit, a term I haven't used. I think, if I remember correctly, you mixed banter with flirting. Did you say oh, flanter? Yeah. Flanter, yeah. <laughs> flanter. And that's interesting to me. And put, I mean, let's put in this uh, case aside, obviously. There are, there are hundreds of thousands of interactions going on by the minute with men and women. And some of it may be unreciprocated. Some of it may be, you know, a response to confusion. Someone may perceive someone's flirting when they're not and take it as an opportunity. And we got, we're getting a lot of interactions like that now, I suppose, which could be misconstrued. And have, I suppose, have, have relationships or, you know, the interactions between the sexes been made far more difficult in sort of the, uh, the wasteland of the, the Me Too movement? I, I really believe that people have been a lot more overcautious now. And I'm not sure whether this is a, an American thing or a military thing, but I know that I, I know a few people... Um, over there have, have mentioned about um, males before kissing females have got to into a, almost a habit of asking permission first um, and, and I've known this a few few friends over in the States uh, have gone on dates uh, and they've had this really romantic moment and the guys turn around and said I'm going to kiss you now is that okay oh and that's encouraged hey no yeah. I mean there's people who celebrate it uh yeah. They celebrate Keanu Reeves. Look what a great guy he is. If you look, his hands always yeah, visible. Yeah. Um, but and by the way, get a smart. I'd say he's a smart dude for that. But absolutely, that that is something that is encouraged. And I don't know, is this a societal change that has to occur to protect people? People were making fun of Mike Pence because he said, "I'll never be alone with a woman inside of a room because I'm married." And that that leads to other problems. So. I think it, I, yes, I think a lot of uh, Me Too stuff went too far and it can have unintended consequences to both sides. Well, the, the, the biggest issue here, in, in my opinion, is the fact that it, it, it's down to everything being subjective. So this entire case is revol revolving around she believes he said something inappropriate to her. Now, if we, if we take that with anything, and imagine now that I turn around to you and said, right, I've been on your show. I think you said something that I found inappropriate. I'm, I'm offended by it. I'm going to take legal action against you. But I'm also, you don't work for the NFL, but let's imagine you, uh, let's imagine I bring your bank and say, hey, uh, stop his mortgage, take his house off him. You know, I want him to, I want him to lose everything until this court case goes ahead. That's not in any way fair. Mm -hmm. Right. That uh, the, the, the law of the land in, in most Western countries is innocent till proven guilty. So, you know, I think this whole kind of thing about him being suspended from his job, it, whatever his job is, whether you're a football player, whether you're a street sweeper, whether you're a solicitor, whatever your lawyer, as you call them over there in the States, um, whatever it is. Street should... sweeper or lawyer? Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Sorry, it's solicitor. I'm just kidding. Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, you, your profession shouldn't be in, in any way affected because of an accusation, especially one that hasn't been proven. It's just down to the fact that somebody said, she said this, he said that. I suppose, yeah, I think people, this knee-jerk reactions depending on the allegation type, isn't there? I think if somebody was, for instance, um, perhaps accused of a DUI, perhaps it wouldn't be taken as, as seriously or immediately as perhaps accusations of domestic abuse or violence against women, things like that. I think of the case, I don't know if you're aware of who Justin Roiland is, is the you know, co-creator of Rick and Morty, does the fight, you know, lion oh, share yeah. of the voices. He lost his gig with that show also a, a, a computer animation company that he worked for as well and uh, this to me kind of said him to my head that he was going to be found guilty of some pretty horrendous things mm -hmm. and we've since found out the case has been completely dismissed uh from an ex-partner uh so for me really if there is any justice in the world he should be able he should be able to retain his employment certainly and, and you know reobtain that thing but that's just not the way it seems to work is it people have a well he's already lost he's yeah, already it's, lost it's gone. because it, it, you, you already have half the people who will say well he's he got away with it they just couldn't prove it you know how do you unring the bell and that's the problem is you know Irwin already lost all this and he has a stain on this or urban sorry i always mix them up um he lost all this and now he's got a stain on the system. And now we're arguing over that incident. That's where I'm like, 
invest, take every claim very seriously and thoroughly investigate it before you come forward and yeah. bring it out. That's a great point. Cause obviously we're not dismissing the endless cases of genuine criminality perpetual, mm -mm. perpetuated by many in these contexts. But and I suppose people will see people like Justin Roiland uh, and others as a sort of, you know, worthy collateral damage in the war against, you know, truly bad men, I suppose. But how many politicians have been had, had accusations against them and, and managed to retain their job? So, Damn. you know, it's, it's, it's one of the why is it one rule for one and one for, a different rule for somebody else. That's a fair point and uh, a good one to end on, I suppose. So, gentlemen, I've, I've really enjoyed speaking to you both. It's absolutely flown by. Uh, maybe you could tell our listeners and viewers where they can find uh, more of your output. Sure. Well, Gavin has a relatively new channel on YouTube. And folks, check out Gavin. His channel, he's going to hit a thousand soon. I know everybody here can put him over the top. Just look okay. up Gavin Stone. I think Ash has been putting it in the comments. And you can follow me on YouTube at Gavin Stone. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. Thank you, gentlemen. Absolute pleasure. It was. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.